Explore. Reflections from a range of authors, journalists, civic leaders, historians and generally interesting people exploring the importance of the written word, the value of a library and their own inspirations and motivations. Based in RSE Connolly, the James Connolly Visitor Centre, Belfast. Giadive August Valtorov Hig Glor, the very first podcast to be broadcast here from Lorlan e Connolly on the Falls Road. Um, my name is Clena, I'm the development officer here and one of our more recent projects has been developing um, the Reader's Library that we currently have in Aris e Connolly, the James Connolly Visitor Centre. Anyone who's been here will know that we've a wide range of books um, from Connolly's own writings to books on trade unionism, socialism, uh, art, music, the Irish language um, and of course our more recent past here in Ireland and further afield. So as we've grown uh, and developing this, been developing this work further, uh, one of the ideas that was thrown about was a podcast and so we find ourselves here where we are now. Over the coming series we'll be speaking to a range of people um, to discuss the value of a library and of the written word in an increasingly technological world and how we fit in with that um, and also with some of the people who have helped fill these shelves um, and speaking to them about their own inspirations and motivations behind that. And so without further ado, I will introduce you to our very first guest here on Glore, uh, a man who some of you may know, called Lawrence McCune. Lawrence is a screenwriter, a playwright, he's an author, um, and he also spent a considerable amount of time in Long Cash as a political prisoner. And it's there that he really began to write. He has co-written um, a book called Nor Meekly Serve My Time with Brian Campbell and Fela Mohagan and that was released in 1994 um, and he then released um, a second book called Out of Time um, in 2001. So I will now let Lawrence begin his reflections um, on those books and what motivated him to start to write. Okay, well Cormac Whitcliner for the opportunity. Um, Out of Time is the published version of a doctoral thesis I did at Queen's University. Um, I was in prison from 76 to, to 92 and um, through the blanket protest, hunger strike, all the rest of it. And I suppose what's not written about as much is what happened post-hunger strike, uh, other than the escape and big moment. But in terms of the education, by education I mean our political education, development, etc. going on in the jail. It was pretty extensive and I would have been involved in it right from the start along with loads of others. And then from um, 87, 89 was in charge of, the, of it as part of the camp staff. And over that period of time, it, I suppose it changed a lot from what it would have been in, in, in the early days. Uh, we also started around that time like creative writings, poetry workshops. That led to uh, me and Brian Campbell setting up uh, on Glory Go for the Captive Voice, which is a magazine um, produced entirely within the jail, produced initially clandestinely. Um, the only people who contributed to it were prisoners, but that was prisoners in the North, in the South, in England, Europe, America. Um, so all the stuff had to be got to us. Brian was appointed as the editor, with Leonard Fern as the uh, debut editor. And uh, it was produced. It was meant to be a quarterly, I think it was only ever produced three times a year, but it continued for the next ten years right up until the prison closed, and I did the last editorial when the, when the prison was closing. And the idea was to give us a voice, the captive voice. Uh, we had a model at the time also of uh, overwriting our own history. Um, I think that the experience of the whole blanket protest and hunger strike had showed us that uh, we had another model that we're not casualties of war, we're agents of change. So even though we are in prison, we're not just going to be there until like, we get released or escape. 
um, we can be very proactive during that time and act on restraint and the blanket protest showed that. Now in later years it was more about um, getting our ideas and opinions down and expressing them, setting up a Sinn Féin common in the jail, getting those um, essays, articles and all to the outside. Uh, I also did the Open University when, uh, when I was in the jail and finished it just the year I was getting out with a degree and I thought that was basically me finished with education and now out of loads of other things that I want to do. Um, I found very shortly afterwards that I missed that period of, of dedicated sort of application to study and uh, pursuit of knowledge and not for exams or degrees, just for, for knowledge to expand my, my own knowledge. Um, I should have said one of, one of the books that really influenced us, and we're talking about books here, was um, a book that we got very early on after the hunger strike. At that time we weren't allowed non-fiction books, but we got our families to buy novels, take the covers off the novels, take the covers off the non-fiction ones, we wanted to put the covers of the novels on them, so we got these trashy novels sent in that were Marxism and Leninism and everything else. And we got a book, a very small book, uh, called Pedagogy of the Press by Paulo Ferrari. He was, um, he was someone who taught literacy, or li taught literacy, um, in Brazil, but did it in a very radical way, and the whole thing was a bit questioned, so people were learning the language. He was asking, why are your children sick? Well, they're sick because they don't have the proper food. Why do you not have the proper food? You know, well, we don't have the money. Why, why do you not have the money? There seems to be, you know. So it was about questioning the world, the world around you. Um, he refers to the normal education system as the banking system, where we go to school, we bank the knowledge in our heads, and then we regurgitate it in exams. And then that's not education. Uh, or what he calls consciousness. Uh, so our whole drive in the jail was about expanding consciousness, you know, being aware. So it's not about exams and degrees and letters after your name. So whenever I got into jail, I thought that um, looking back to the early 70s, um, there had been important changes took place within the jail uh, in terms of Republican prisoners. So nothing to do with the big issues like hunger strike, etc. But more about how um, the command structures that were there and more about the politics. And if you looked at from 1972, and there's not to be derogatory of anybody, but people like Dolly McKee, who have been the OC, um, the more conservative, uh, Catholic, etc. Command structures would have been very hierarchical. Um, and then over the years, particularly later on in the blog, that developed into a much more collective structure and commune type based. I thought it was important to record that for Republicans, because we live through these things and sometimes sort of forget where we came from and, and what the change was. And uh, I happened to be in Madden's one night, where all the good ideas always come up, and um, I was talking to Mike Tomlinson, who was a lecturer at Queen's University, but who was also a lecturer for the Open University and had come into the prison. And I was saying, I'd like to do this and write a book, and he says, why don't you do a PhD? And then you have it done, and you have the qualification, and, and you have your book. And that's what I did, so I interviewed um, as many people as I could who had been in positions of leadership in, in the camp from 1972 right up till 1998 I finished my thesis. The book at the time wasn't published until um, 2001 by which stage all the prisoners had been released and I was able to update the book with uh, interviews with some of the people who were getting released. I was even getting a calm coming out on the last morning that one of the prisoners was bringing out for me. Um, and again it was back to that thing, for me it was just important to record that. I think there were some important lessons there, I think there were some important developments went on. Mostly about how we discussed things, how we looked at things, how we explored, how we just didn't... We moved away, and I suppose the blanket protest and hunger strike moved us away from that simplistic, romantic, wrap the green flag around me, and it had to be more about... And I mean, it's like Connolly's writings, 
you know, there's no romanticism there. It's about here's the reality of what we're living in here. Here's the squalor and the poverty that people are living in. And here's the causes of it. You know, it's about capitalism and it's about the upper classes rule and so on and so forth. Um, and that then, so out of time, was that sort of examination of it. And um, i say that came after we had in the jail written normally sir, my time. Which again was, I think, was important for us to do because it was prisoners who had been on the blanket protest and been there during the hunger strike. Some were still there, like myself, from that time. Others had been released and come back in again. Um, but to record their memories and last moments with those who had, who died in hunger strike. And again, it started out as a small pamphlet. Uh, Brian Campbell was again coordinated along with myself and uh, Phil Mohagan. And the volume of material that we got showed that we had to do a book. Uh, again, it was all compiled clandestinely within the jail, got it sent out. Um, got a woman on the outside who can now name Russian Kelly, whose brother was killed in Loch Call. Russian sat, typed the whole thing up the opposite of time when computers used the floppy disk and all the rest, and she was moving the disk around different computers, finally the whole thing crashed. And she had to copy the whole manuscript up again. Uh, and it's an amazing piece of work. Uh, and again, that was to, Normicly was very successful. Again, like out of time, it's out of print, but we hope next year, the 40th anniversary, that both will be, be reprinted. But again, it was for us to write our own history. It's not someone else writing it for us. No matter how sympathetic people may be, if they haven't actually lived through it, and you don't have to live through it in jail, but live through it in, in one way or another, then that's... You know, the story from the cold face, more or less. So that was, was the motivation for doing it, that it's there for future generations, um, and that it, it goes behind the, um, you know, the, the, the facades like people, like Bobby Sands is now icon, you know, and yet you can read about, you know, him raking about and, you know, eight six or whatever else, and the jokes he come out with, et cetera, et cetera. And to me, that's the importance of people recording um, their, their histories and their communal histories. Mm -hmm.